Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds, already joined by Ken Weeba from the... <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was like seeing a guy uh, step out his front door trying to get the newspaper in his uh, house coat and all of a sudden realize the neighbors are, <laughs> are outside. Uh, sorry about that. A little bit of a technicality there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. Was joined. He's gone. He will be back. I promise it. Uh, Kenny uh, from the Winnipeg Free Press will be joining us. Together we are Kenny and Rennie. And this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after one of the most complete Winnipeg Jets hockey games I have ever seen, not just in my time covering the game, in the time since they came back uh, since 2011. Even going back to those 2018 teams, which I thought were, you know, you know, I, the kids like to call them wagons, right? Like an irresistible force that just got going and going and going. Even in that stretch down the end of 2018 in the regular season where the Jets almost came from way, way behind to finish first, uh, didn't quite catch the Nashville Predators, but just couldn't seem to lose down the stretch. I was a team that seemed that it could pour it on, pour it on, pour it on, on its way to winning a hockey game. These are different kind of wins. These are just complete and total wins. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there is a uh, a, a facet of the game tonight that a very good, very, very good Florida Panthers team, I don't think there was a facet of the game that the Winnipeg Jets weren't better in. You wanted to show off skill? Well, I mean, we'll get to Nick Ehlers. Believe me, his name will be coming up in lamplighter-esque fashion coming up later on in the show, no doubt. Uh, there may not be a game that we've ever had uh, the lamplighter that it is so homogeneously going to end up going to one player. But you want to flash the skill? Winnipeg Jets can flash the skill. You wanted to play defensively? The Winnipeg Jets, I thought, were phenomenal defensively. You want to have great goaltending? The Jets had the better goaltender on this night. You want to see a team that had a better system? The Winnipeg Jets had a better system. This was just, to me, the Winnipeg Jets once again taking a very good, a very good Florida Panthers team sitting, well, they're down below the Jets now, ninth in the NHL, uh, but had an opportunity, had they won this game, to jump into the top four in the NHL. Uh, and the Jets, I thought, made them look pedestrian, pedestrian at every stage of that game. Uh, and despite that, it's one of those games where I take a look at this and I think like the Jets were going to win either way without good goaltending. But in the moments where maybe things could have turned with uh, with a goal here or there, Connor Hellebuck was absolutely stellar. Like I take a look at this in the end, there's a lot of shots here tonight. I think a lot of those shots are just the, the Panthers floating the puck towards the net, trying to get something going. The Jets owned the interior of the ice in their own end this night and just did not allow the Florida Panthers to play there. And keep in mind, this Florida Panthers team, that's how they beat the Boston Bruins last year. That's how they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, was their ability to get to the front of the net over and over and over again. Think of all those Brady Kachuk goals that he scored down the stretch, the important goals. They're all in and around the net where there's a scramble because there's a, a scramble created by the pressure created by the Florida Panthers inside. And Brady Kachuk uh, uh, gets, sorry, uh, not Brady, Matthew Kachuk gets his hands on that puck and fires it into the back of the net, right? 
So I just take a look at this and think this is a team it's not easy to do that against. The Winnipeg Jets made it look easy. And it's funny, I've thought this time and time again because I know that a lot of people will think that the Achilles heel of the Winnipeg Jets is their defense core. And you know what? If you had to point to a weakness on this team, that would probably be the most obvious. But I don't know how many teams around the league have dominant defenses that look like the Winnipeg Jets did on a night like tonight. And the reason why is the Jets entirely understand their system and what to do when they get the puck on their stick. It's immediately, for the most part, transitioned to the forwards because they know where they're going to be. This Winnipeg Jets team is so in sync, one player with the other right now. It is scary. It is scary how good this team and how cohesively this team is playing for the rest of the league. Not scary for you Jets fans out there, but I'm sure scary for the rest of the league. This is a Winnipeg Jets team that just rolled into Florida. Very tough place to come in and get two points. In fact, it's more likely these days, one of these places that teams come and think, God, we got to go through Florida. Like the old California trips, right? When the Kings were good and the Anaheim Ducks were good and the San Jose Sharks were good. And you'd go there and you just walk away and all of a sudden you'd lost three straight games, right? And it happened time and time again to teams going in there because it was such a tough stretch. Well, it's not quite that, but Florida's a tough place to go get points. And the Jets just walked out with four points against two really good teams. And in my mind, made one of them the team that's higher in the standings, although I don't know if they are after tonight but made them look pedestrian. And hey, you want to take a look at uh, what the Jets were able to pull off in their last game in bringing to a draw the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and then beating them in overtime? Well, they went out and won, I think it was 8-2, or something tonight. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they got Andre Vasilevsky back. Holy smokes. If there's something that went wrong for the Winnipeg Jets tonight, it's that Nikita Kucherov scored two goals and now has taken the lead in the NHL, not only scoring race, but goal scoring race. Uh, Kyle Connor quiet on this night. But when you've got a team like the Winnipeg Jets, whose depth is playing the way it is, you can go in and play a skilled team like the Florida Panthers. And if your skill doesn't win it for you, your grind can win it for you or your secondary skill can win it for you the way that uh we saw uh and i mean it wasn't a necessary goal in the end they only needed one Nito Niederreiter being at the front of the net and pocketing that puck uh in a good old-fashioned get to the front of the net and and score goal that's great putting the icing on the cake or putting this game out of reach uh Nikolai Ehlers with that goal the Jets had deeper skill on this night and it showed uh phenomenal win i i just there was nothing wrong there's nothing i can say about this win that didn't look phenomenal in my eyes and think about it if anyone was worried about the effect that rick bonus coming back on the bench was going to have after leaving scott arneal it didn't look like it was possible for the winnipeg jets to elevate their game beyond where they were playing for scott arneal and rick bonus came back got in behind the bench, and the Winnipeg Jets did exactly that, elevating their game beyond an already beyond impressive level that they've been playing at as of late, and they got better with Rick Bonus behind the net, or excuse me, behind the bench. What a phenomenal way for them to honor their coach who's been out all this time. That's my take on this time to re-bring in the man with the best music in the business. He showed up without the best music in the business. Let's make sure we do it right this time, everybody. Here comes Kenny.
Kenny, uh, before we get started, I want to turn this into a little bit of a, we're going to turn this into our own version of Skittlebits, who that's probably a pretty narrow, a pretty narrow uh, uh, show that I'm talking about here. I think you've got to be like 42 to 48, 49 to really get that reference, but it was a kid's show made in Manitoba. Joey Gregorish, old Joey Gregorish was the host of that show, and he always used to play the happy birthday song and throw out some happy birthdays. Uh, happy birthdays I want to throw out to Brian Harluck, uh, who apparently is a massive, massive listener of the show and doesn't miss an episode. I uh, wanted to give a shout out to him. I believe Brian turns 50 on this day, so he may not get the Skittlebits reference that I'm pulling out there. Maybe Pat Rathwell does, but it's Pat Rathwell's birthday today as well. And uh, Pat Rathwell nailed it uh, for me with his uh, pick on the Trans-Canada Brewing Company uh, uh, lamplighter of the game. We'll get to that later. But, Ken, you're down there. You saw it live. Is there a way that it looked even more impressive live than it did on TV? Yeah, I mean, it was solid. I mean, you nailed it in the opening. And, I mean, Rick Bonus made it pretty clear that, it wasn't one of the best efforts by the Jets. It was the Jets' best effort defensively. Uh, they were very good. You know, they didn't give up a ton of chances to begin with. They did not give up almost any second chances. Uh, and as you mentioned, most of the shots were from the perimeter. Yes, Connor Hellbuck had to make some saves, and you know there was a rebound or two early that was a little bit loose. But man, he tightened things up and and just was rock solid. I mean. Uh, just an impressive showing all around. Team defense, this was just an absolute clinic by the Winnipeg Jets. Master class. You could do a TED um, Talk on, on NHL defense the way they did it tonight. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive. There's no two ways about it. Uh, the Jets played a very patient style of game. As Connor Hellbuck pointed out in the postgame presser here, You know, they didn't take a ton of chances. They didn't feed into the transition game whatsoever. You know they were able to limit guys like Matthew, like Matthew Kachuk, outside of a brief scrum with Dylan Sandberg. I barely noticed him Did out there play? on the ice again. Pedestrian. He looked pedestrian against the Jets tonight. Now Alexander Barkov made an absolutely dazzling play walking in, but then he overpassed. Right, so right. I mean, that was a there was a really a beautiful move, but he didn't really do anything with it. Uh, you know the save by hard to get into a rhythm when a team takes you. I mean, that's the thing that the Jets' defense is doing so well. It's just taking offenses out of their rhythm. You know. Yeah, and the hell about. I mean, the best save he made for me is the rebound chance for Carter Verhage, but he makes it look so simple on the rebound. But Verhage is a prime time goal scorer, north of forty last year. He just sticks out his leg, and it's a reactionary save, but. Everyone in the building is kind of just like, oh, okay, what is, like, I guess that's just a normal save. I mean, this was a great save by Hellebuck, but for the most part, he, he's so, <laughs> it's classic Hellebuck too, asked, you know, what he felt was dialed in. And he just said, you know, I just, you know, same as two weeks ago, feel like my yeah. details are good, you know, nothing to see here, you know, move along, move along. I'm not telling you anything. Um, I've been uh, saying... A good way to not get too high oh, too for low sure. is to essentially say, nothing ever changes with me. I know you guys thought I wasn't playing that good you know, two weeks ago, but I think I was playing the same way I am now. If you can convince yourself, I don't buy it for a second, Ken. Like what he's saying, I think is completely Since game four, he's been... 
Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. But this whole, you know, the, the, the we've seen it before from Connor Hellebuck where he's basically, you know, I liked my game where it clearly oh, yeah. he liked my details, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But if you can convince yourself that nothing is ever changing, then you don't have to ride the highs and lows of the roller coaster. You can say today is the same as yesterday, which this will be the same as tomorrow, right? That's that's how you basically artificially create a scenario in your head by which there haven't been any highs and lows, even if there have been highs. And lows. Yeah, bang on. And, and it, the easy way to get Connor Hellbuck to crack a smile or laugh is to ask him about fishing. That's that's how he spent yeah. his off day yesterday. So, And he was pretty fired up about that as well. Sean, I've been saying it on the show for several days. I, I do expect, even though Rick Bonus wasn't ready to publicly... <laughs> publicly make the declaration i expect lauren brassois to play on sunday not just not because of the game today i understand people will say oh you can't you know not start hellebuck after a shutout i expect brassois brassois on sunday that's what i'm expecting to see you know the jets won't practice tomorrow so there'll be no confirmation until the morning skate on sunday in nashville but I would expect that's what we will see. Brisson needs to get his fifth start in the first 20 games in order to be tracking towards that 20-plus mark. But Hellebuck has to be feeling absolutely dynamite. Like He rarely feels anything but dynamite about his game. But, wow, if if you are another team in the National Hockey League and you thought, oh, well, the Jets have been, you know, the, Jets have been the Seattle Kraken kind of rolling, rolling along with sub-900 goaltending... <laughs> I'm here to tell you that sub-900 goaltending, uh, I would say, is going to be a thing of the past, and the numbers will continue to, you know, the save percentage will rise and the goals against average will continue to fall. And, you know, now the Jets are about to get Gabriel Velarde back. I'm actually surprised Rick Bonus didn't rule him out for Sunday based on, you know, not having any practice. You know, well, they'll have a morning skate Sunday, but... You know, it's not the same as a practice. Now, I will say to people who are saying, well, there's been no time for contact. Well, that's not accurate. He's been taking contact after morning skates. And, you know, I even saw him in the hallway. You know, he wasn't ready to put himself in the lineup. He knows he's going to wait till the coach tells him, just saying simply that he was feeling better. But he's moving around really well, Sean. And um, I'm not certain he's going to play Sunday still. I think there's still an outside chance he waits until Tuesday. But... For a team that's really rolling, the Jets, A, don't have to rush them back, and B, you know, this, I cannot say this, I cannot stress this enough. For everyone suggesting Gabriel Velarde should start on the fourth line, you've already forgotten what kind of player Gabriel Velarde is. He doesn't need to start on the fourth line. This is why the Jets signed Vladislav Nemesnikov to be a guy, a swing guy that can play up and down the lineup. I know you're on with Huss today, and we're we're totally in unison here. Yeah. He should start with Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers, and if you need to put him somewhere else, you can. But and if you need to bring Nemesnikov up, he'll he can go up for whoever player needs to. So that's where I expect him. That's where you expect him. Uh, whenever that is, whether that's Sunday or Tuesday, remains to be seen. But. Yeah, what an impressive showing by the Winnipeg Jets. There's, you know, it will sound like a broken record, but really there is nothing to say outside of the Jets played a dominant game. Not dominant in terms of controlling the puck, but dominant in terms of defensive efficiency, 
you know, playing a connected style of game in all three zones and just not giving up any second chances, which is the key to winning. And Sean, we were talking a bunch of the Winnipeg media before Paul Maurice did his daily podium. He stayed in the hallway to visit with a number of us before, and he talked about how his team is trying to play playoff-style hockey right now rather than trying to wait. You know, two years ago, this is a team that scored north of 300 goals. They were they were familiar with the snake charmer offense uh, before Paul Maurice got here, and they are now playing a committed game, but they just were not able to generate much offense today. And, Sean, you said it earlier. They lived and breathed in the hard areas around the blue paint against the Boston Bruins. Almost all of their important goals, series clinchers, came yeah. from that area. That's and the a Jets, hard team to keep from that area. Yeah. The Jets couldn't, I mean, the Jets did an unbelievable job of keeping them out of that area. And Matthew Kachuk's one of the best guys at going to that area. And he only got there, I mean, the one scramble play near the end of the one period, but he didn't live in that area like he normally does. So that's a testament to how the Jets played also. And I mean, another four-line game. Uh, we haven't talked about him very much lately. I thought David Gustafson was fantastic in this game, Sean. His feet were moving. He, he took a couple of defensemen wide, and it was an impressive showing by all four lines. Um, Mark Shifley obviously not happy about that kind of late and high hit. I would even say it was you know, borderline, not even borderline, it was a blindside hit. And it was a beat and a half late. Um, <laughs> and then at the end of it, it gets called interference, even though there was no call to be had for interference before the scrum happens. So anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, four and four is fine, but they <laughs> kind of missed the biggest part of the, the series there, regardless. But the Jets played, you know, an excellent hockey game. Um, you know, it, yeah, just was impressive all around. Um, hey, Tishu says here, evening, guys and gals, nice game. Best game of the season by far. Kachuk is brutal. Ehlers is a stud. Dylan is a beast. And Helly is on a tear. Drop the mic. Get that headband, <laughs> Sean. I have to, after a soliloquy like that, to jump into the show. He kind of nailed everything. And we should well, Kachuk's not brutal. Hang on a well, second. This is a, nor- like this is a guy who's 100-plus like player. So he looks pedestrian I, tonight. Uh, so I'm going to give that to Sure, but let's be careful about tossing around brutal. What I'm also going to give Tishu is the headband. Let's make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show. can't believe I'm saying this, Ken, but I'm going to go to bat for Tishu and say that from the perspective of a fan, right? When, because fans will say those Stop it. Things. This is wake I'm up going, territory. Come hey, on. I'm going to say it from the perspective of Come a on. fan who will say, this guy sucks. That guy's brutal. No. The Jets fan who will run down that road has every right to say that tonight. I'll say it again. They made him look pedestrian. The same way 
Fans think that every single call made by the refs against their team is a terrible call, and every single call made against the other team is a good call. From the skewed perspective of a fan, there's no doubt about it that uh, if you're looking at it and you're looking at it through, through a fan's lens, the Jets made him look brutal tonight, no doubt. And surprise, surprise, since we're talking about the refs, everybody, refs use suck, suck chance in the Jets game, both in Florida and in Tampa Bay. Wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? Fans elsewhere also think that the refs are out to get their team too. So maybe you've got some brotherhood to, then maybe that will help you span the gap with some of these other teams <laughs> that you think there's like this, uh, a grass conspiracy theory. Yes. No. And sorry. I, I just, if he top. wants to say he was brutal tonight, no problem, but people are like, saying it. People he's not a brutal player. He's a, he's, he's not, a very no. good player that gets under the skin of the opponent. Alice says today he was brutal. And hey, no problem. And Tishu, you, I'm not telling you you have to like him. You don't have to like him. Says Kenny, he was brutal tonight. I can't believe this. Is that is he's? It didn't say tonight in the. It didn't say tonight. It didn't say tonight in the tweet in the original comment. Running Man says Kachuk was a bum tonight. Tishu says, "Wake up, Ken. What is happening? They're turning on you, Ken. What is happening here? Oh my goodness. It's you with the internet issues, I believe." Ken, uh, you oh, may sorry. have to move sorry, on. Buddy. I don't think I'm having any problems here. Uh, anyways, um, we All should right. move on to a couple of things. First sorry, of all, we've already spent too much time talking about Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> I know. Move along. We have. I agree. <laughs> I, you just needed to take It's because you won't take your medicine on the times. We're no, I'm sorry. Okay, stop right on. here. We're Players in the NHL are not brutal. Medicine. Okay. From a, that's what I mean from a fan perspective. When you're saying this guy's brutal, a guy who would be like a million times over the best hockey player you've ever seen or ever will see in your life, no doubt. I'm talking about from a fan perspective. Anyway, um, Ken, good-looking white shirt. I've seen it somewhere before. It looks really comfortable. I'll tell you that much. That's the shirt I wore the other night in Tampa Bay, as I forgot that. You look like a million bucks, clearly dressed by Frankie the Boys down at Vittorio Rossi. So if you want to look like Ken tonight, not look like the hippie wearing the headband and the Emmett Smith T-shirt, uh, you know what you got to do. You got to head on down to see the boys over at Vittorio Rossi. Go on down to Cordon Avenue. Walk in the door, loudly proclaim Kenny and Rennie sent you. Ask for Frankie and the boys. They will do you up right so you can look like a million bucks. They'll they'll have your back just like Kenny had Rennie's back with one of those sweet, fine Vittorio Rossi shirts that I was able to use on the broadcast the other night. I hope I didn't leave too many pit stains in there for you, big guy. I also wanted to I do I cleaned this. it. Don't worry. I got it cleaned. No problem. Good Don't stuff. worry. I Let's have the soap and water right out. Now. Don't worry. <laughs> Let's do this now too as well. Pristine roofing wake-up call. I'm going to say this. The Winnipeg Jets sent out the pristine roofing wake-up call to the rest of the league so far on this trip. If you aren't paying attention to the Winnipeg Jets and you are around the league right now, you need a pristine roofing wake-up call because this team is charging up the standings. It's all done now here, Ken. The, 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 the games that affect this for the night are done. A three-way tie for first between the Winnipeg Jets, the Colorado right. Avalanche, and the Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars and Winnipeg Jets with identical records. I'm wondering why the Jets would be ahead. Maybe it's, it's interdivisional. I'm not sure what has them ahead of the Dallas Stars because in head-to-head meetings, the Stars did beat the Winnipeg Jets. I thought that was the first tiebreaker. Anyway, the Colorado Avalanche with one more win than either of those teams. I do think it's funny that we talk about the Colorado Avalanche quite like 
openly most people as though they're has-beens and we're looking at the Jets and oh, saying, I don't talk about them that way. When's the last time we've seen a team play like this and the Colorado Avalanche have a 684 winning percentage and people are talking about them like they're bums. But that's getting sidetracked from the point. The league has been given the pristine roofing wake-up call. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Well-deserved for the rest of the league if they're not paying attention to the Winnipeg Jets. And that means you know about the pristine wake-up call. Give North End Rick the pristine wake-up call, one 981 6289 He'll come to your house. He'll take a look at what you need, exteriors, roofing, all those kind of things. You don't need to get up on your roof with a ladder. You don't want to get up on a roof with your ladder. Rennie knows that. If you were paying attention to the last <laughs> show, you know why. We don't need to get into the details. It's embarrassing. We don't need to talk about it. If you don't want to give North End Rick a call, you can give Pristine Roofing a call at one 237 7663 Get them down. They're the pros. They'll take care of everything you need there. And you know what, Ken? While we're at it, I'd like you to give Sweet Lou a big shout-out. Yeah, no doubt. If uh, you were having some needs in the real estate department, whether you're buying, whether you're selling, whether you're just curious what the house in the corner is going for, you can contact our main man, Lou Ferlin. Royal Page Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971 or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor. Excellent human being and excellent supporter of the community, including our podcast, for which we are eternally grateful. Love, sweet Lou. Okay, well, let's get into buying and selling because we know Lou does Indeed. it all. And he does it all as good <laughs> as anyone. So uh, what, let's do. Let's try and live up to his standards and solidly buy and sell. What do you take and buy or sell, Ken? I'll take. I'll take the other. Oh, I'm. I'm definitely. Uh, I'm definitely. I'm definitely buying punches landed by Brendan Dillon. <laughs> Um, Brendan was still, didn't have a chance to talk to him, but man, he was, uh, he was still buzzing after the game. And that is, this is not a matchup one is anticipating. Uh, I'd have to go back to the files, but I, I don't recall Sam Reinhardt throwing down very often, but Brendan Dillon certainly didn't like any pushing of the glove or in the, whatever happened in front of the net. Uh, his gloves were down very quickly and Sam Reinhardt didn't have a choice. Uh, that was impressive. Uh, he, he Sam was also very lucky. He ducked out of the way of at least two of the uppercuts. Yes, he still gotten got hit by a couple, but uh, that is when you talk about protecting the front of the net. Uh, that definitely was an impressive number. Sorry, I'm also buying. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers finding his game with points in five oh, yeah. of the last six and goals in three of those games. Boy, oh boy, that was uh, quite a goal, and we will be discussing it further. Um, I'm selling, uh, and she touched on it right here. Kim Sawchuk did where she says Bettman deserves a wake-up call. Oh, boy, yes. Mark Andre, the NHL brass are out of touch. I am selling on the NHL's attempts over and over again to try and keep the NHL NHL's players from doing good things and supporting oh. good causes. Get the hell out of your own way and allow the players to express themselves the way they want to good on i mean i am buying stock and i am throwing everything i have into mark andre Fleury going out here and just getting the job done here i wish more players would do it but every single time the nhl jumps out in front of these trying to stop people before they head out on the ice as, as they're trying to do something that's good and positive 
in society, this has just gotten like, it was out of hand and stupid the first time it happened. They're embarrassing themselves over and over and over by trying to shut these things down. Every single time the players thumb their nose at the league, at the commissioner, when they step out on the ice and say, too bad, I'm doing it anyway, I get so much more respect for them. And it just is, it is leaving the NHL and its brass looking silly and pathetic in this case, sell on that right now. Sell on the idea that you're trying to stop your citizens, your players from being good human beings. Get out of their way and do it now. That is just absolutely ridiculous. That was a good. And I, I just don't belt. understand why. What are they trying to accomplish? It's. it's I don't know. It's don't ludicrous. Know. It's ludicrous. It's That's just, also wake up territory. Let's go. There you go. There's a pristine boy. That that earns a whole bunch of. Come stuff. on. Definitely a pristine uh, roofing wake-up call. Um, hey, yeah, there we go. Sega Saramoga? Sega Saramoga says Bettman needs a wake-up. Oh, the chat room is off the hook. They're right in. Now. But of course, Ken, there's 430-plus people in here right now. They're going wild. They're running wild all over the place. They're calling out Ken for the first time. In, in the land of Hulkamania yeah. here, in the land of Hulkamania. If you got the, the <laughs> headband on quick, they, they had you so discombobulated, you started in the show, which I'm not sure has ever happened before. Every, everything's happening here tonight. I want to go back. Ken, Hang on. I want to talk about well, your first thing that you were, oh, what's this? Sorry, we should also get into this. So just I mean, you mentioned the avalanche. Uh, Sam Gerard entering the, the substance policy area program yeah. here. And, um, you know, you got to give credit to the young man for trying to deal with this head on or dealing with it head on head on i mean it's obviously that your, your thoughts are with the player here i mean that's something nobody wants to go through and you know good on him for having the courage to get the help that he needs sarah sega sarah maga says fellow eastman buddy say hey well there you go i Rennie's made it pretty clear he's from lactabani he's an eastman guy made the eastman selects when i was younger ken and then chose to go a different path but uh uh that's those are the old glory days we don't need to rehash those <laughs> but if you want me to i can start my own podcast and do just that you how would i do that? you should. that's what everyone wants to maybe you to. should no doubt. um i want to go back maybe i should talk a little bit about uh brendan dillon and that fight because there's one. Sorry, did thing. you see a replay there? I mean, I'm watching it. It's happening right, basically, in my sight line. Did he give her the pitchfork, or I, I didn't really notice him? I knew he was in the vicinity. I, I, I thought it was a pretty strong reaction, personally. But yeah. did you think? Well, uh, did they show a replay that showed it was warranted? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't warranted, but I. It, I, I think I was just too involved in watching and looking at that situation and thinking, okay, like this is a mismatch, right? And Dylan went in and like absolutely fed him. But this is one thing that people should look back on and be and be that much more impressed by what Nick Ehlers has done time and time again right. whenever he's got into these fights. This is what should happen when you get into a mismatch. This is where you should you should get in and, and Nick Ehlers should be exiting these fights banged up, bloody, you know, maybe getting like knocked down to the ice or I'm not saying that that's what I, I, I'm hoping for. I'm just saying that this is an expectation and outcome you should almost expect because this is what it looks like. like hey, I was talking to Brendan Dillon the other day, uh, Ken, and like this is just a mountain of a man. Like you feel like you're standing next to Johnny Bravo when you're standing next to this guy. He's just absolutely huge, and his smile is like bigger than like you know 
two people smiles just a fun guy to be around um but just a massive individual and this is just one thing you should take away from nick Ehlers is the fact that he's gone entangled with some pretty large guys before and he's got away with it this is what it should look like this is what when a guy like nick Ehlers goes and tangles with someone it should be a mismatch and it should look like that you could see reinhardt at one point in that fight was like you know Good on him for not like turtling, you know, but you could see at one point in this fight, he was like, this was a really, really big mistake. I should not be doing this. But uh, um, that's what I had thought. I wanted to bring up out of that. It's like that just immediately made me think of, of Nick Ehlers and how well he's fared in these situations. Good on him. Yeah, and just a quick thing. I mean, Brennan Dillon wasn't even a guarantee to play tonight. Um, he was a game-time decision. He skipped the morning skate. It's not that abnormal to skip a skate, Sean, but when a team has an off day the day before and a player exercises the option and then the coach says he's banged up, you know, you're no guarantee to play. And Logan Stanley didn't stay on for extra work, so uh, I wasn't certain, but we know how tough Brendan Dillon is and wanted to battle through. I mean, this guy's been very durable in his career and, you know, he found a way to get on the ice and he'll enjoy a day off tomorrow and be ready for another fun one on Sunday. But just the last thing to touch on this, like people around the league will see that and, you know, whatever, we know it's a mismatch, but that's the kind of thing that sort of is a bit of a deterrent for people to to be poking around the goaltender, around the blue paint, even oh, though yeah. every team wants to get there. So uh, that that's maybe the extra effect, if you will, uh, you know, a little bit of a con- compound interest, if you will. Yeah, no doubt. Um, hey, uh, let's move on to um, Paul Maurice, okay? I think this is pretty interesting. I wonder now, when we say this, let's make something absolutely clear here. A lot of people will feel that Paul Maurice has redeemed himself in a way that is unimpeachable, considering the fact that he left the Winnipeg Jets got onto a new team and took that team to the Stanley Cup final uh, and beat some pretty, I mean, beat the the best, the best uh, regular season team the NHL had ever seen before uh, and in pretty impressive come-from-behind fashion, gutsy, gutsy wins that his team pulled off there, then knocked off the Toronto Maple Leafs, which Waiters will tell you is the hardest thing in the world for any team to ever do. That's what waiters would tell you. Uh, went into the final, uh, and 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 you know, I think there they, it kind of showed that they ran out of gas or were outclassed or however you want to put it. But people are, can make the argument that Paul Maurice is already unimpeachable. I take a look at this and I think every single time the Winnipeg Jets have played four straight games now against the Florida Panthers, they've got wins. The the Jets are owning owning Paul Maurice and his Florida Panthers ever since this change has been made. But the thing I think about the, the Paul Maurice, when he's watching that team, especially when he talked about like getting players to go to the net for all those years and the problems that he had, I wonder if Paul Maurice looks at this team and we know that one of the things that Paul Maurice did was he was very top heavy, right? Like he's really, really solid doses of Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, you know, fourth line didn't get played that often. And yes, this isn't the exact same team. He didn't have Nino Niederreiter. He didn't have Vlad Nemestikov. We've all been talking about the idea that this is one of the deepest, if not the deepest Winnipeg Jets teams that we've ever seen before. 2018 is calling and they've got want to argue that point being made. Uh, but 
I, I just wonder if Paul Maurice takes a look at the way that Mark Shifley is playing right now, defensively, how Kyle Connor is playing. Not the best guy on the Winnipeg Jets, but I think invested defensively in a way that he's probably never been before. The way that that Jets team was able to defend, you know, the inner slot in their own zone, the way that they're winning games, not by having Connor Hellebuck steal them, but basically winning games. And Connor Hellebuck gets to be just great anyway in behind them. And I just wonder if he takes a look at it and thinks like, huh, did I really not think, or that maybe he didn't think that that entire squad was capable of playing like that? Or I, I just, I, I wonder if he takes a look and thinks like, you know, Mark Shifley, how is he doing what he's doing? Because he wasn't doing that for me for a long time. Did I think he could do that? I just, I'd be fascinated to hit, uh, which would never happen, but to hit Paul Maurice with some truth serum and think what he sees when he sees those, the way this Winnipeg Jets team plays. Because what I see, Ken, is a team with a, an exact polar opposite philosophy than the one that he coached that goes out and tries to win games in a very, very honest fashion that I thought was missing for a good chunk. And I think the last four or so years of the Paul Maurice era. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, I I can, I certainly, I can agree with where you're coming from. I mean, my counter would be that he has the Panthers playing the way that he wanted the Jets to play. So, I mean, it's kind of a wash. I would say that, you know, he, we obviously believe that he let things slide to a degree and it certainly came back to bite him. But I think that he kind of learned from that. And I would even say his willingness to play his fourth line a little bit more uh, is showing that, you know, is it all perfect for the Panthers? No, but they're a good team. I mean, that's part of what he's helped make them. He's transformed their style from run and gun snake charmer to trying to be more defensively sound. But yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're Paul Maurice, you don't really recognize this version of the team team the way that they're committed but now it's about whether or not the Jets can keep this up I thought it was interesting Adam Lowry already mentioned it after the game when I asked him about U.S. Thanksgiving where the Jets stood he's like hey we're in first place last year too so it's about building on what they've put down as a foundation they seem much more committed to building on that foundation where last year they abandoned the entire plan I I really don't see the Jets slipping from structure there are still things they can improve on there's no doubt about that but yeah they've they are playing the way that you know committed hockey that they played in 1718 when they went to the western conference final and in some ways some of the players are playing better than that and that than at that time but their team is is changed so much to me and, and sean it's about the kind of players that the jets are rolling in their lineup right now the guys like Nino Niederreiter, the guys like, you know, the guys like Vladislav Nemestikov, who was great again today, you know, guys like Alex Ayafalo, a guy like Gabriel Velarde, who will be in the lineup soon. These these are the kind of players. They're not run and gun players. They're skilled, but they're also committed. You know, the Jets are kind of they transformed how they look. They needed to. And they're sort of seeing the fruits of their labor, and you know we'll see if it can it can hold up over 82 games. We're at we just finished covering game 19, but the Jets are looking like a team. To me, this is not smoke and mirrors. This is a team that can be better and are already very good. And Sean, we were talking about top five in the NHL the other day. 
you know, I, I think the Jets certainly are trying to plant their flag to continue to be in that conversation. We know there are four or five teams we had discussed about that fifth slot, and they've beaten two of them this week. So we'll see if they can keep it rolling against a National Predators team that's suddenly hot, uh, winners of four in a row as well. Well, that I'm glad you brought that up because it brings me to my next point that I wanted to chat about. This is where I think the Jets have elevated their game to. So if I take yep. a look at teams like the Nashville Predators, the Arizona Coyotes games, I think are good games. Uh, the St. Louis Blues games are good games. You're seeing those two te- those three teams. They're they're beating some significant teams, right? They're they're doing things that are that look impressive. Their record is looking pretty good. Every single one of those games that the Jets played against those teams that I mentioned, it's five games that we're talking about, two against St. Louis, two against Arizona, two against, uh, sorry, one against the Nashville Predators. They all look the same. It's the Winnipeg Jets breaking those teams. And how they break them is they start making it feel hopeless to the degree that teams start saying, if we're going to beat this team, I got to take a chance. I got to try and jump up ice. I got to try and trick them and get behind them, get in, score a goal on the goaltender and make something happen here. Players start to try to do too much because the system is just breaking them. That's what we saw tonight. We saw from the Winnipeg Jets that they broke. They broke the Florida Panthers, made them feel that their game plan wasn't good enough to beat the Winnipeg Jets and they needed to go outside their game plan. And that means that they made a certain amount of mistakes. And that's the difference. But to me, the significance of that, the significance of that is the idea that the Winnipeg Jets are now not just breaking teams that I think are secondary teams, like maybe Arizona or St. Louis or the National Predators makes the playoffs as a wild card team. Maybe that happens. They're not in the conversation of the upper echelon team that the Winnipeg Jets are right now. But the Winnipeg Jets are breaking good teams now, and this is a this is to me is the prime a example of it. I thought that game against New Jersey was a good example of it as well, although that it's hard to point to that one because they are missing their two best players in the lineup there. But this game is a great example of one of the upper echelon teams in the league losing hope against the Winnipeg Jets and the Jets breaking them as the game went on. Uh, and that's something that I don't think was happening last time when they played, you know, the Dallas Stars or even a team like the New York Rangers, right? I think the Jets are learning. They're learning on the fly. They're getting better. That I find to be highly impressive, Ken. Uh, and there you go. Hey, I, I, I have to address something here, uh, Ken. Uh, I think you see what I see. Someone has snuck in the back door of our green room <laughs> and is rooting around in there. Suspension and problems, and he's got a it lo- what looks to me like a flute full of champagne and orange juice. I don't know who told him he could crack the Kenny and Rennie champagne. We were saving that for a special event, Kenny and I. We just never have any special events that we get to celebrate. It's been there since the first show. But hey, I'm going to tell you this: some people in here they've started the free Billick movement. The, even Turd Ferguson here says that Rennie fears Scott Billick is what he says. I don't think so, Turd Ferguson. That's all I got to say. So for me, to, to prove it, because Rennie feels he needs to prove himself at this stage because Turd Ferguson is calling him out. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, long overdue. And it took him breaking into the green room to get it done. But you haven't heard the music for a while. First time this year. Time to bring him out. Here comes Scotty Billick, everybody. 
Scott, I thought that the uh, Ken Weeb apologists were a block that was a force to be met, to be reckoned with. But I'll tell you this: the free Billick movement has been uh, has been it's been a, it's been a force to reckon with this entire time. Great to have you on the show, buddy. It's been it's been a minute. It's been a minute. First time this year. Greg Liverpool is absolutely excited that you are on. Bardo loves it. Uh, everyone's going to be happy here. Just so and I'm going to say the same thing that I said to Scott. Um, we've uh, we've added more um, um, advertisers this year, which is great. More sponsors. We want to make sure that we do it in a way that our sponsors get their due at the <laughs> there time. You go. Like Scotty's making it happen right now. Get their I'm due. I'm off the clock uh, too, so. We also have to try and make sure that we don't want to turn this into a, a feeling like that, that people feel that like we're not talking hockey. So it took some, a while to get our pacing. Uh, we got a, we led it up to about the time that you saw uh, Harn Ryan Singh and uh, Sammy Scarf <laughs> hop onto the show. Uh, and so now we're ready to kind of bring in more guests as it goes along. And no one better to bring in than Scotty Billick, who's been a huge, huge influence on this show, a driving force behind this show. And great to have you back, buddy. How you been? What would you see from the Jets tonight? Sean, Sean, Kenny, like this team, man. Like, yeah, I don't want to like, I mean, where do they play? What, 18 games now? Like, you want to like super hype it up. Everybody remembers last season. Hype it. How it went, you know, we hyped hype it, it up last year when it was going really well. And it just kind of fell off, right? Like the wheels fell off the whole the whole wagon last year. This is a new and improved wagon, John. Like this 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 team, this team's good. Like it's really good, and it's not like last year because if you go back last year and you look at this team and the way that it that it played. There was times, and I think if we went even going back to this show after games, you'd be like, yeah, okay, they were winning, but it, they weren't winning in the way that maybe was conducive yep. to long-term success. Now they are. Like, this is where this team, you said when I was sitting in the, in the green after I broke in, and I know all the passwords <laughs> now and everything, so I'm on all the time now. But um, no, but like, you know, you're watching this team, and and like, to me, I tweeted, they're so malleable, right? Like, this team came into this game and literally shut down one of the highest shooting teams in the league. I, I understand they finished with 32 shots, but they got a lot of those shots in the third period. Through two periods, I think they had 15 shots. Um, and a team that, that 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 averages well over 30 a game. Like it, it was, they, they stuffed them at every time. Like, like if you think about the times that we've talked about, let's say, like, you know, the Jets struggled to get to the neutral zone against the Dallas Stars and the 1-3-1 that they play and that sort of thing in the past. Like, the Jets are now doing that to other teams, right? They're making it very difficult um, to do anything. And, and... Yeah, they sucked like like you said earlier. They sucked the life out of the Florida oh, yeah. Panthers. Like, and and I and I said this in our chat. Like, we have a group chat, and I know you said it a little bit earlier about Paul Maurice. And like, I I said it earlier as well. Like, I wonder what Paul Maurice is thinking, right? Because like this is largely a lot of the same core pieces that he had 
But Rick Bonus and this coaching staff has this team playing to a team. Like they basically pitched a perfect game tonight. And all, like I mean, there's obviously yeah. you'll never pitch a perfect game in hockey because there's always breakdowns and stuff like that. I mean, Connor Hellbuck made a couple. They allowed another breakaway. breakaway. Yeah. Thing, yeah, and 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 that sort of thing. But holy moly, like I'm I'm watching this game and I'm like, it it it, it was a stunning performance. I don't know how else to put it. It was a. You're, you're, you're playing against a team that has two of the best defenders in the league back in the lineup. They got Barkov back. They've been playing well. I think they won seven or eight of the last ten coming into the game. I mean, they had a huge game against Boston the other night. I watched that game. Um, that was a you know a very physical you know well well played game by both teams. Boston winning, I believe, in overtime in that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, they are crushing. They're crushing it, you know, and like, I mean, we're, we're looking at these, tests, you know, every time and, you know, whatever. And of course, the Jets have to pass these these tests because the, this is a team that last year went with a win, right? But it's a different team this year, even though they have the same players. I, I really think that I'm starting to think that everything that this team kind of worked toward last year that ended up failing in the end, minus a couple pieces that aren't here anymore, has really kind of risen to what Rick Bone and the coaching staff actually wants from them. And they found success. They found offensive success. They're doing it while playing extremely well defensively, like literally the top five of the league defensively. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, I don't see this team kind of falling off this same wagon. because it, it's, it's different than last year, right? Like you got Kyle Connor still on pace for 50. You got, you know, there's all sorts of things. Plus the leadership's different. Um, yeah, I you, I think there's been a couple things. I mean, I'm, I'm in either the buffet line right now, but I think there's been a couple things early on this season that were incredibly unfortunate. The Adam Johnson's death, obviously, the Rick Bonus thing. He returned tonight. Obviously, his wife um, having having a seizure and all that. But I think that's really galvanized this team. Really brought it together. Um, you know, the, the, obviously very unfortunate. But I think there's just been some like you know almost a perfect storm of 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 good and responding to the bad that this team has come through. Um, and yeah, like I, you know, I think this is the best team that we've seen maybe ever right now. I mean, I, this is a bit of a bold kind of declaration here, like 107 points for Connor Bedard <laughs> this year, eh, Kenny? Um, but uh, but you know, it, it is one of the. This is probably the, this team is playing the best hockey for sure since 2017-18, and I wonder over this stretch of games, especially the last I don't know 13 games, 14 games, if this isn't the best hockey we've ever seen out of this Jets team since they returned in 2011. That's, I, listen. I, I don't I, know what I else. I, I'm with you there. I, I, I thought that the, the seeds of, and T. Will's going to love this, I thought the seeds of the snake charmer offense were planted in 2019 uh, and were reaped time and time and time again in the years that followed. I said it, it, it was like a sickness that settled in and never really left that team. I see no mm-hmm. sign of that anymore. It's just an honest wow. team doing honest things, just playing a rock solid style game. Uh, we should get into some, uh, some of that stuff before we uh, re- shut this down here. Just wanted to give a shout out to the folks at Cambridge credit union uh who are absolutely rock solid and it's the reason why ken and i have gone uh and taken our mortgages to the credit uh, to the cambrian credit union my kids with their accounts there a whole bunch of accounts for our family and of course 
what they do in the community is beyond reproach. Uh, like the Jets game was tonight, beyond reproach. A lot of sponsorships, a lot of donations. In 2021, committed 280,000 in donations and 116,000 in sponsorships. That's the kind of credit union I want to be associated with is the one that takes its community, surrounding community, makes it a better place. Great to have them on board. The near Kenny and Rennie OGs. And that brings us to the Kenny and Rennie OGs in the Johnston group because it's time, guys, for your gotcha covered play of the game. Uh, Scotty, if you got one, run with it. If not, I'm sure Kenny will pounce on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the first goal. You know, like I, I really like the way that how simple that, that goal was like created. Like it just, a, you know, a point shot, a nice face off win. Like it was just, you know, you, you hear players all the time about talking about number in the right way and all that. That was the right way, right? Like that, that's exactly it. You win a face off, get to the point, puck goes on net, chaos in front. And a guy like Nino Dreyer is just prowling in front and bangs one in. And like that's, that's exactly what this team has needed for a long time. Guys that sit in the front of the net, create chaos, do that sort of thing. They're doing it, right? Like this is one of the reasons why this team is so much improved from, from, you know, recent memory. And, and yeah, so, I mean, to me, uh, I, I think that one for sure is, is just that first goal. I thought, I thought that's exactly what this team needed in that game to kind of break a deadlock after, which was a very tight first period. Like, I mean, like, I gotta say, like, this is one of the best games I've watched all season in the NHL. Like it was just, it was really good from start to finish. Um, you know, it, it needed a lot of things. So, yeah, I mean, I would, uh, to me, I would be the first goal we got, Kenny. Ken, what yeah, do you got? for me, this is a collective, and you know, if you haven't seen sure. it, uh, you should check it out on on the artist formerly known as Twitter. There was a lot of emotion around the rink today. Uh, I was in the building here, yeah. Rick. Anyone who watched Rick this morning knows that he it meant a lot for him to be back behind the bench. And in the post game after the jackets were handed out, uh, Rick spoke and. Before he left the room, Adam Lowry showed another great sign of leadership. He said, Bones, you need to hang around. Uh, he said he knew how tough it had been for him, and he went out and gave Rick a big hug, and that is something where uh, the human side has been very evident with this team this year. Uh, I think they've been willing to show their emotion. Rick was showing his emotion, certainly. And, you know, that's just another sign. You know, it's one thing to say you're a family. Everybody likes each other. Uh, This team is going out and showing it. So uh, they showed it with their effort when Rick was gone or not away away from the team, I should say, not gone. Uh, But they also showed it in his return and they will continue to be a support valve for him. Uh, Judy was in the building here today and uh, will be flying with the Jets to Nashville and then home. So... Uh, she's making great progress, and obviously that's one of the most, well, that is the most important thing when it comes to this situation that they've dealt with. But the way the Jets are uh, rallying around and, and and playing the way that Rick wants them to play is uh, is my choice for the Got You Covered. It's more of a cumulative effect thing. Uh, but that's that's what I saw being in the ring here this evening. Ken, that's the very essence of the Johnson Group Got You Covered play of the game. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and hey, do you run a small business in Canada? Look to Canada's number one employee benefits plan, Chambers Plan, to give you a competitive edge. Chambers Plan is the simple, stable, smart choice for over 30,000 businesses countrywide. So visit chamberplan.ca to learn more. And once again, thank you, 
to the Johnson Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs. Uh, let's move on. I Listen, Scott, you showed up here. You broke into the green room. I'm not going to give you softballs. So we aren't going to start with the lamplighter. We're going to start with the keg, and I believe your inaugural keg save of the game. What would you have there tonight? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked, uh, I mean, obviously Hellebuck's 32 stops. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm trying to pick one of them. You know, he had a couple of great ones in the third late on, especially on that PK um, to keep the game. But I, I don't. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick a save. I mean, I thought Alex Ilafalo's block in front um, early on to stop a cross seam pass that would have you know probably turned into a very good scoring chance was good. Save of the game. I don't know. I uh, I'm 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 whiffing on actual save here. Um, but you know, I thought, I, I honestly, I thought they just Connor Hellebuck's whole night was unbelievable. Like we, we've been watching this guy kind of, I mean, we, I know what he said early on, like he likes his game, whatever his details are right. All that sort of thing. I think we saw that wasn't necessarily always the case, um, in some of the games. Um, but yeah, I just liked this whole game. I like, I, I liked the idea that he came into that game tonight. And shut out Paul Maurice's team. And, you know, so I think, you know, let, let's give it to Connor Hellbuck's entire game uh, tonight. I thought it was uh, very good. So I'll take it. I'll take it. Ken, did you want to weigh in? Uh, honorable mention uh, Bobrovsky's backdoor one timer save off of Aya Follow. Sure. Uh, yeah. I still, th- I, it, maybe it was because it happened in the end where I was sitting uh, in the press box here. But the to me, the right pad save off for Hagee is the one of the most important saves to me. Yep. It was still a one one nothing game at the time. Midway through the third, you know Florida's trying to push, but again, I, it looked routine. It probably looked routine on TV just because he played it so well, but for me it was just the, the timeliness of the save and just, sure. it was... It, to your point, Scott, that was that was the essence of the game today. You know, of, of one, one of the very few second chance opportunities... Yeah. Connor was there and making the type of save we've seen him make so often, but really often in the last stretch of games here where he has really elevated uh, and sort of stabilized his team on the nights where they, you know, this is this is a great example. The Jets had some leak cracks in the structure against Tampa, even though they played very solid uh, for the most part. Right. Today, there were no cracks anywhere, and part of the reason was Hellebuck was there when called upon, but also because of the commitment. So uh, just an impressive game all around. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this. Um, uh, I, I do think T-shoe, the we agree. Fowler there shot, we go. The IFL yeah. shot was actually going to miss the net yeah, mm, on, no. on the rebound. Yeah, if you take a look at no. that, it was not on the near side, on the far side. It's going to miss the net on the far side. No way, and, man, no. uh, it, The point is, okay. Uh, anyways, uh, those who are looking for facts here, We'll look and see that IFL shot was actually going to miss the net. Had it not hit, maybe, maybe we're looking at. He a also didn't come anywhere chance. near the pad where the shot should have been going. He put it right into his body, like someone else said. So I do give it. Uh, I give it to the uh, uh, right here. Tishu says five minutes into the third, hell, he made a kick save side to his right and got uh, got the puck. Keg save of the game, hands down. Tishu, I can't believe I'm agreeing yeah. with you. Uh, as much as I am tonight, but you got it. You nailed it. For me, that's the keg save of the game. Uh, you should be sharing with us your keg save of the game, everybody. Why? Well, if you do, you're automatically entered to win 
a $50 certificate to the keg. Uh, good at any of the three keg locations in the city, each finer than the last. Uh, and that brings us to the winner of the keg save of the game. And for us tonight, I just saw a comment, and sure enough, she was just leaving her keg save of the game. Can I find it in time? There it is. This is She's entered for the next show, but Julie Sue is our winner from the last yeah. show tonight. She added her keg save of the game. Uh, great to see Julie give a win. Uh, another one of these folks that uh, stood out to me from the moment she was in the chat room. She's been there since the very beginning of KNR. I know she's won the lamplighter before. Nice to see her win the keg save of the game. Uh, hopefully she can make sure she finds a way to use this. So, Julie, you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Uh, send me your full name and send me your email address. And I will send you a $50 gift certificate to the keg uh, usable at any of the three fine locations in Winnipeg, each location finer than the last. Congratulations, Julie, Sue, and Scott. Is there? Is, do we even need to? Uh, I mean, we have. We are going. This to, is we're in unison we on this. Need to? <laughs> do we need to say anything about the lamplighter on the night? What do you got, bud? Well, it's me. But um, after that, it's Nikolai Ehlers, obviously. I mean, I, the way that he walked, and I don't even know the guy's name. Was what, what is it? Uh, Uv uh, Belinskis. Yeah, that's it. You got you got the pronunciation. I just have to learn how to spell it, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a goal, right? I mean, you know, the Perfetti, the Perfetti pass, I know on the broadcast tonight, I think they said it was a nice pass. It was a little behind Ehlers, but the way that he was able to get it, turn up the speed, gains the zone, goes around, puts the puck through the guy's stick so he can get it on the other side of him, and then and then flip it over Borowski. What else? I mean, I don't think there's any other. What other goal would it be? I mean, I really liked the Niederreiter goal and the way that it was created and what they did to do it. But I mean, that's just a, just a stunning goal by by Nikolai Ehlers. I don't know how those and and that's a guy again. He's up to six goals now. I mean, it was only a couple weeks ago that we're all talking about where is Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, now he, it feels like he's kind of caught up to the rest of the team after missing training camp and and goals like that. You could see him on the bench on the broadcast. I mean, I think he was almost stunned himself that he actually scored that. So yeah, what a goal! I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. It was just it was just an absolute stunner that one. Uh, I, the, the, here's what I'll say about that. Someone was asking earlier, and, and I thought it was a great question, uh, a nicer goal, uh, the Kyle Connor goal uh, earlier in the year or against the Nashville end. or this one. Um, to me, like the Kyle Connor goal is great because it's all about speed. He's got, But he's got the edge. He's got the path to the net. It is very hard in the NHL, especially in a situation like that where a defenseman is just entirely set. And it's not like Ehlers had a massive speed advantage. Um, it's really hard to put on a, a goal, like a move like that, and get yourself entirely around that player. The way he, yeah. like, he almost teleports from the front of that player to the back of that player. And you can tell the player is not expecting it. The player, I can tell you in that situation, thinks he's got great gap control. He doesn't think it's a risk that uh, Nick Ehlers is going to be able to get around him the way that he does that. That's a hard play. You don't see that a lot for me. That's why that's the lamplighter of the game. Ken, you agree? Just, Do you have anything to say about it? Well, I, I agree on the goal, but I, I disagree that he didn't have the speed advantage. Ehlers went from blue line to blue line in a split second, and that I think that he was caught a bit flat-footed and I mean this is a guy who's you know first time in the league here close to you know 27 years old but a rookie uh in the NHL and I just don't think that he is they you know hasn't really known Ehlers explode and Ehlers wasn't this explosive when they played him back in October so 
Uh, I think it was an impressive play. And, I, and he just made a perfect play to get it underneath his stick. I mean, it, it's not like he walked yeah. him toe drag through the feet, but he's coming at with explosive speed and just, you know, kind of turnstiled him and then rips his shot past Bobrovsky. I mean, it was just an absolute uh, stunning goal to see in the building here. And, you know, Ehlers himself uh, certainly gave it a good gave it a good go. And his teammates were certainly impressed when talking to them after the game, that's for sure. The beauty and the brilliance of that move is that he pushes the puck through him yes. and puts it to a spot that if he gets his stick on it, it's in his wheelhouse to shoot it immediately, yeah. right? He's not picking it up and having to move it to the forehand and get the shot off. He pushes the puck and uses that, like, he, he uses a pretty big stick for his size. So he pushes the puck past him, and then that's why he's able to get around him that fast because he's able to just, sh- you know, shiv his shoulder around him and then reach around with that long stick. And as soon as the puck is on his stick, he's able to release the puck because the way that he beats him is by putting the puck into his wheelhouse and just getting around the player. It really is like a subtly gorgeous goal. I like it. I know someone said we shouldn't compare uh, perfection. That's what we have to do on this podcast. (laughs) And for me, uh, that was that for uh, 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 Nikolai Ehlers. Absolutely great. Uh, Scotty, great to have you back. Uh, Great to hear the flute uh, music playing in the show here. Uh, looking forward to a lot more shows with you here this year. Uh, chat room was truly, truly on fire today. T. Will had asked a good question. I think we ran out of time. I would have read it out. It would have been the first time we would read something of his that was truly worth <laughs> oh, reading out loud. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I, I, it's lost. I can't find it. I can't. Okay, well, here. Did you I start it? Here probably. we go. Here we go. T. Will says, fine. We'll oh, give T. Will's. I'm in just such a generous mood. You, know, you know, know who had your back, T. Will. That, that's the gotcha covered uh, play of the game. For T. Will you. says, T. Will what's there. the biggest difference this year? <laughs> Booting Wheeler, dumping PLD, picking up three LA guys, signing Helly and Scheif. Quickly, let's do this quickly. Scotty, what do you think is the biggest difference this year? Uh, one, one, two, and the result of three. Like, I, I mean, I, I'll say this. And uh, that's Sean's line. I'll say this. Look, uh, this is the thing. I just, I'm just i a sponge listening to Sean, the broadcaster here. Um, no, I, I, honestly, I, I honestly think that the change in leadership this year changed absolutely everything for this team. Like, taking the C away, we obviously found was not enough for Blake Wheeler to, to remove his influence, let's say, in that room. After removing him entirely, we, this team is, I mean, we've all been in that dressing room, guys. Like, uh, it, it is, is entirely different the way that they it's never the been the like this. Their dress room has never it, been it, this good before. Never. It's never. It's never been this good. Yeah. And I and I, and I want to say that it starts with Adam Lowry, who is a grade A individual. You know, one of the best people that I've met in this game. Um, and then it flows down from there. Like we know who's running the ship now, and it's obvious. And and it, and this isn't just because they're better with the media. You can see it. You see it on the ice. You see it in the dressing room after the game. You see the way that these guys interact with each other. It, it say it. It doesn't feel like this team's walking on eggshells anymore, right? That that's to me is is the truth here. Whether or not we want to contest or not or whatever, I think that shaving Blade Wheeler out of here was was the biggest thing that this team could have done for itself. It it was well past its due date. It should have happened at least the year before, if not several years ago. But it, it happened the way, the way it goes. You have to sometimes learn from mistakes that were made. The Jets did. They picked a perfect captain. 
And and at, at this point, I mean, you're seeing it. This team is fully committed. It's fully bought in to what's going on. And I think if Rick Bonus was to come out today and say he was pissed off with his team and disgusted and all those things, that every one of those guys would be like, yep, he's right, you know, and it wouldn't be led with, ah, yeah, I didn't like the words that were chosen or all that BS that w- w- was said at the end of last year. And I, I, I think this team is completely different this year because one or two people aren't here. And I think everybody here wants to play here and, and is enjoying winning, right? Like this team is playing, uh, you know, very good hockey. And, and, and I think there's, I think, I think that, I think the, the reason for it is quite, quite clear. And, and, and it's in New York right now. Ken, get at it. Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, you know, the Jets had a lot of question marks going into training camp and the leadership, I, I agree, has been excellent. There's no doubt about that. There's no dispute. Uh, we said it at the time, it was an excellent choice. And I know at the time, a lot of people were, uh, wondering why Mark Scheifele was still an alternate captain. Well, to me, they're not wondering that anymore. Uh, the Jets have had buy-in oh. from every single player. Uh, we said going into the year that their best players had to be their best players, and those two players who signed extensions, you know, even though Hellbuck had a little bit of a slower start, I think that the, eliminating the uncertainty and get more importantly getting the buy-in uh, from those guys. I mean, John Cooper talked about it with me the other day in Tampa, and Sean, you were there. I mean, he... This is a guy who knows a thing or two about culture, about winning, about having players commit. Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman both told me flat out that when that happens, it is a sign not only for the team, but for you know for the organization. And when those players lock, lock down, it, it makes a big difference. It makes people want to be around, and I think that's an important thing. I mean, I don't think it's just one single thing. I know that was the question. No, you're right. But but for me, this is that it is a part that we can't ignore either, Uh, because if there was this uncertainty, not that we wouldn't have asked them every single day. I mean, no one is asking. People are still wondering about William Melander. He's not pestered about it every day, but it would have been a big time distraction. For let's face it, a team that hasn't handled distractions all that well uh, over the last few years, so eliminating that before going into the year might, you know, Kevin Cheveldayoff's made a couple very a couple very important moves in the last little bit, getting those two guys signed and what it's meant in the start of this year uh, is right up there with the moves that he's made for sure. Um, I think this is a really important point uh, that Julie Sue makes here uh, because um, uh, she says it's hilarious that people don't think Lowry was influenced by Wheeler when he credits him with so much. This is true. All the leaders on this Winnipeg Jets team, uh, and this to me is the conundrum of Blake Wheeler, is that in some ways he was very much a captain and really led people to a certain places. And Julie Sue is absolutely right. His thumbprints, his fingerprints are all over Adam Lowry. They're all over Josh Morrissey. They're all over Connor Hellebuck. They are all over Mark Shifley. Uh, this is true. This is entirely true. Uh, Tracy O'Kranick says Wheeler was the captain they needed at the time. Lowry is the captain they need now. I'm not sure I agree with that. I go back to I do. and I'll go, yeah. So what happened to a team with the Stanley Cup window with Wheeler as their leader? Oh, I'm just saying he was the right I don't. We weren't having these discussions in 17-18 or in 18-19 when the Jets were in first place for three quarters of the year. So uh, there was a time when Blake's leadership style worked. Well, that And time, then there was a sure, time that sure. is wasn't working later on. Uh, the composition of the team has changed. This is a team that likes to have fun. They like to be loose. 
And let's face it, Blake. I don't think any team likes to be tight. And and no, exactly. So twenty four seven intensity for a team that this team is very focused, but they like to have fun, and the mood around them is is decidedly different. There's no doubt about that. that. Likes having fun, uh, and and I agree with you. This is a team that's clearly having fun. Like I said, best room we've seen from them. Jay, Julie Sue's point is an important one. I what I do think is the, the elements of Blake Wheeler that worked have shown up in in players with kind of a different style of leadership. Like, listen, Julie, you are right. Uh, uh, Adam Lowry is affected and and grown under the tutelage of Blake Wheeler, but he is very far in a lot of ways from who Blake Wheeler was and how he conducted himself. So is Josh Morrissey. I had a source within the Jets organization tell me last year that when things went wrong, when I was trying to say, like, what went wrong here? And it was said to me that this team was never moving on as long as Blake Wheeler was in the room. And that he needed to go and that as things started to go sour, it seemed like his influence went up and up and up. And there was kind of more of the players on the team turning their eyes towards him as the year went on. And that bears itself out at the end of the year that basically he was clearly the leader of the team as they railed against their head coach for trying to hold them to account for their play down the stretch. Um I, 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 all those things are, uh, we, if we go back to the question of what T will is asking, is it uh, we, Wheeler booting Wheeler, dumping PLD, picking up the LA guy, signing Helly and Shape? It, it is all those things. But I yeah. think that if it's one of those things, right? Like if you don't get those specific LA guys or if PLD is still here this year, I think th- things can still be happening. I don't think what's happening and, and could continue going on throughout the year. If Blake Wheeler was still in the room, I agree with the assessment. The Winnipeg jets could not move on with Blake Wheeler in the room. Uh, and I think the perfect example of that is what we're seeing from Mark Shifley right now. When you talk about needing yeah. to remove what, prune the branches so that other branches can grow. It's crazy to talk about it because he's a 30-year-old man, but Mark Shifley has sprouted in ways this year. People said it. I've seen it four or five times in this chat alone. We see it every chat. People are surprised and will admit they didn't see this coming from Mark Shifley or that this was capable. Mark Shifley is sprouting right now because he's finding a way that isn't the way underneath Blake Wheeler uh, before him. And so I just think that effect has taken root on this team. Yes, yeah. all of the answer to all of these, but the biggest one, the one that I think this team could not have overcome and would not be going in this direction is if Blake Wheeler had been here. It's what this team needed. And listen, if you think we're crazy for saying that, Kevin Dayoff, who absolutely adored Blake Wheeler for years, felt the need to buy him out and get him out of here. This is... The, the, the Jets, if they didn't want to move Blake Wheeler, could have kept him. He could still be here right now. The Jets made the assessment that he needed to go, and these are the results. Follow the results, people. The Jets made a move that cost them money and hurt them in the salary cap era to get him out of here because they thought it was necessary. You are seeing this team reap the rewards from it. That's my take. Before we go, I forgot to announce the Lamplighter. Uh, the la- winner of the Lamplighter is simply, and I haven't seen – him, if I'm sure it's a him in the chat room, is just simply Kyle. Uh, so, Kyle, you are with the winner of the Lamplighter. Uh, the rest of you, you get your next chance afterwards. If Kyle doesn't get a hold of me, if he doesn't see this, it's going to be a 16-pack of 
Frosty Delicious Lamp Lighter brought to you by our friend at Transcanner Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to gift you yours, if you're like Scott and you need to go have it right now, well, head on down to Transcanner Brewing Company. You can join them it's in all the for the show, man. at 1290 Keniston uh, Boulevard, where we will be having the Kenny and Rennie Christmas slash holiday slash December to remember slash December to dismember party it's gonna be a blast here's the look in the chat room here everybody i'll throw it in one last oh kenny did it already let's double it up let's get it in there uh that's where you go get tickets we've got a good size room right now we'd like it to be bigger uh come on down you can spend some time with kenny spend some time with rennie see us pull out our receipts which we plan on doing fairly sir scotty is going to be there as well and you get to see rennie fall off of a roof which is always great entertainment people i'm not going to do it live but We've got a sample for you to take oh a look at. God. So come on down, everybody. It's going to be great. Join us there. It's going to be a ton of fun. Thanks, everybody. You were rocking it tonight. And I'll always say this. If you appreciate the conversations going on in this space, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep the conversation going in this space for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, Pristine Roofing, Cambrian Credit Union, Sweet Lou Furlan, the Johnston Group, the keg and of course our friends at trans canada brewing company thank you so much to them and thank you to all of you you rocked it tonight we can't wait to do it with you all over again when's the next game guys sunday sunday night sunday in night. nashville yep nashville predators gonna be a great one kenny enjoy nashville i know it's a, it's hard to find things to do in that yeah. town but try fairly and hold you fairly quiet okay all right fairly talk quiet. to you later everybody